0: was the solution. And we talked about knowing and understanding, discovering God's will for our lives. Amen. Uh, But I want to kind of hit on a subject that I've kind of been looking at for a while. And when I was, when I started going into this subject, I was thinking one thing, which usually happens. I have an idea of what I'm going to say. And then God says, nope, you're going to say this. And uh, I, I really began to look at this subject, really began to identify things that, man, this is awesome. This is what, we need to hear. And I want to, over the next uh, four or five weeks of this month, I want to discover what the Bible has to say about the relationships we keep. And so I've got a new series we're going to be talking about, Why Don't You Like Me? Uh, Because we live in a world where people uh, live and are moved based upon liking something. Everyone recognize this thumb over here? Yeah, we all recognize that. It's a social icon it's an international icon now and when you see that icon it makes you feel they liked my stuff or they like me you know i know the church has a uh you know facebook page and uh you know i get the emails every now and then, it says so and so likes anchor faith valdosta georgia awesome great somebody likes anchor faith church in valdosta i'm glad they like us you know and so there's this innate desire and innate uh passion within someone to build a relationship with other people. Nobody wants to be alone. Even the people that are alone don't want to be alone. Even the ones that say, "You know what? I'm good by myself." But still there's something within them given to them by their creator, their manufacturer, the one that put them here that says, "You need somebody in your life to help you do what you're doing." Amen. And so I want to take a look at this because uh you know, I want to take a look at friends. I want to take a look at the relationships that we do have, husband, wife, family, uh, co-worker, employer, employee—there's all kinds of relationships that we can dive into. But I just want to kind of uncover the fundamentals of what a relationship should look like. How do we build those relationships? How can we be a friend as as well as allow people to be friendly to us? Uh, you know, identifying what kind of friends we want to have, but we got to identify how to be a friend. You know, the, the the saying is, "If you want friends, show yourself friendly." And so, there's a lot that we can uncover here, and I pray. Uh, that you get something out of it. I believe God has a lot that He's going to want to uh, disclose to us through this. I want to let you know this. Um, we have all of our messages in an app. If you have an iPhone or iPad or any kind of uh, Android device, if there's an app called Uversion, the Uversion Bible app. Uh, it's the largest, most widely known Bible app that's available. And um, all of our messages are available in there. We, we put our verses, we put any major points that I hit, and it kind of helps you follow along. I know that we've become more techie in this day and age. Obviously, we have the verses up here for you. I still encourage you to bring your word, the Bible. Um, but it just allows you, and, and that's up there all week long. If you go back and want to re-listen to the message or if you miss a service, you can say, I want to sit down and listen to this message. And you can still follow along. It could be Tuesday or Friday. It stays up there all week long. So just want to make that note to you. If you're trying to get on the Wi-Fi in this building, you will see Anchor Faith Church guest. Before, we just had it you know, unopened, unlocked, and we had to change our system uh, because the one that we had before wasn't strong enough uh, to take on all the devices that we have operating now. So we bought a new one, and it gives you a whole guest one. And the password for that, is A-F-C-V. It'll probably take you to your browser, and it'll say, enter the password A-F-C-V is the password for that if you want to access that. So utilize that. It's a great tool that we make available to you, and um, I believe it will bless you. Let's get in the Word. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Go back up to verse 26. It starts out with, Then God said. God is singular. There's only one person involved there. Then God said. But then in the very next statement, he immediately goes from singular to plural. Let us make man in our image. God, from the very beginning, has been trying to establish with us that what we need to do, we can't do by ourselves. What we need what we need to accomplish in the earth today, your purpose, your potential in life, is going to be discovered in relation to somebody else. And this is where relationships come from. Even God himself doesn't operate alone. Now we know that when he says, let us, he's speaking of the Trinity. He's speaking of God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and uh, than his spirit, the Holy Spirit. He's speaking of all three put together. Let us make man, now look at this, in our image, in our likeness. So if God can't accomplish his purpose without somebody else, neither can we. Neither can we. And so from the very beginning, he has gone from singular to plural, he has taken this thing from, I'm in this thing all by myself, I'm doing everything on my own, to now look who is here supporting me. And God had to have the son, Jesus, help in the process, and today he is using his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in the earth to help us, uh, to, you know, to help him accomplish his overall purpose. So we see the innate uh, uh, intent from God to take this thing from doing it by yourself to doing it with someone else. So we've got to understand that relationships are crucial in our lives. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2. Verse 20. Now, we know that in in that verse it, it says that he created them, male and female. He created more than one. What God wanted to do in the earth today, he wasn't given that responsibility to just one person. But the problem is is we have to learn how to develop those relationships that will help us accomplish what God has called us to do. God has called us to do a great thing. God has called every single person to do a great thing. If you read Genesis 1, 26, 27, 28 like we just did, you'll find out that God actually placed us on the earth to control and have dominion over this earth. That's why you and I are here. That plan has never changed. Even though man sinned, even though man failed to remain in obedience to God, God put a plan in place not to get you to heaven, but to help you to fulfill the ultimate plan that he said, have control, have dominion on the earth. Now, will you go to heaven? Absolutely. We know that if we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we now have access to heaven. Our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. I was looking at something this past weekend on uh, Instagram. And a drummer in a Christian band that I know, uh, he put a picture of a beer. He was in Ireland. And he had a picture of a beer. Well, we know in in the Christian society, in the Christian world, that brings up quite a debate. You got the ones that are thinking, man, I can't believe that he would do that. This is a Christian icon. This is someone that people look up to. This is an example. And he's posting pictures of beer. And then you get other people that are commenting. I mean, this thing just went on down. And then other ones saying, you're not going to go to hell if you drink one beer oh, I didn't realize that we were here just to figure out how to stay out of hell. That's your only goal in life is I just don't want to go to hell. It's way bigger than that. One beer won't keep you out of heaven. Oh, I didn't realize I was only here to just wander around aimlessly in life until the rapture comes or until I pass away from this life and I know that my spirit's going to be present. It's bigger than that. God, go back to the beginning. God's plan was you rule. You have control. You have dominion. Do you realize that Adam and Eve had every resource, every opportunity to say, no, snake, I will not, I will not give in to your demands, give in to what you're trying to tell me to do. We will operate in dominion and subdue this territory that God's given us. And they could still be there today. God gave them everything. What did he give them? His word. He said, you do it. God didn't come down and try to intervene and try to stop the snake. And if Adam would have said, hey, God, why don't you get the snake out of here? He would have said, you do it. He would have said, I've already given you everything you need. You tell him to get out because you're in control. You're guarding and protecting. You're the one that's tending the land now. I made you in my image. I made you in my likeness. I've given you my spirit. Everything I can do, you can do, except you must remain in submission to my word. Period. So the picture is way bigger. So your purpose to rule and control and bring the kingdom of heaven to the earth It has to be done in relation to someone else. Okay? Look at this in Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle. It's funny, God couldn't even name the animals he created. Because he gave the dominion to Adam to take charge in the earth. So he said, Adam, you name them. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, all the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper. Comparable to him. A helper. Right there, this word helper indicates to us that what God put Adam in the earth to do, he could not do it by himself. He needed a helper. Relationships. The relationships that we keep, the relationships that we build, the relationships that we have, they are designed to enhance your purpose in the kingdom of God. That is the ultimate reason for a relationship. Oh, I thought I was supposed to marry that person because I love them. Thank God that you love them. But that is now your helper to help you fulfill your purpose in the kingdom. Oh, I thought we were friends just because, you know, we've been together since kindergarten. This has been my buddy. This has been my pal. I mean, we grew up together. We lived next door to each other, you know, so we're just friends. No, this person has been placed in your life to help you enhance your purpose in the kingdom of God. That's why we have relationships. So here's the problem. Sadly, sometimes we take on relationships that hinder our purpose. In the kingdom of God. Well, this really begins to define some things. This really begins to uh, help us take a look at the relationships that we have, and are they helping us or hindering us? Are they helping us or hurting us? The people that we're in relation with, the 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 the, the people that we call friends. And today, you know, the friend the word friend has even been diluted because. If if they're one of the 3,456 people that are friends with you on Facebook, then we're friends. Well, I haven't seen them since I was 12. But we're friends. But I want to help define relationships because when we can properly define a relationship, then we can properly define who we ought to be in relation with. Who should I be connected with that's going to help me enhance uh uh, my purpose in the kingdom, and who can I help enhance their purpose in the kingdom because the relationship goes both ways. See now that helps me understand okay, how can I be a true friend of this person? Do I need to tell them what they want to hear or what they need to hear if i 'm not if i 'm not if i 'm not helping i 'm hurting if i 'm not helping enhance your purpose in the kingdom then i 'm hurting you and keeping you and I ought to just go ahead and tell you what i 'm thinking rather than tell you what i Think that you want to hear and help you advance God's kingdom in the earth. Let's keep going. Verse 21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs, and he closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Now look at verse 24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Now this takes us back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. God being singular is plural. God being singular is is plural. God being plural is singular. Then he goes to man and woman and says, man and woman being plural is to be singular. When you develop the right relationship, God will see you as one, not many. Look at how many times Throughout the Old Testament, when he spoke of his nation, Israel, he spoke to them as one person, not many. You remember in Joshua when they you know, they came back and they blew the trumpets and the walls of Jericho fell down and how awesome that was. And then they went out to this little hick town called Ai. And Joshua said, you know what, we don't even need to send all our guys. Just send 300 guys. Let's blow them up. Let's get this thing done. We'll be back here by dinner. We'll party it up. They go and they get their tails kicked. And Joshua, being the emotional person he is, falls flat on his face and he's crying like a little baby and rolling around in the dirt and saying, God, why'd you do this? And God, why'd why'd you let this happen? Blah, blah, blah. And he said, Israel has sinned. The entire nation. Well, you keep on reading, you find out that there was one man named Achan that took spoils from Jericho when they were told not to take spoils. And he hid them in his tent. One man, one individual, out of a nation of a million people that came out of Israel. Or came out of Egypt and became Israel. Became the nation of God. And he didn't say, okay, you need to go find Achan, One guy. No, he said Israel has sinned. The whole nation, the whole people have sinned because one. God is always looking at many who have one faith, one voice, one spirit, one Lord, one God, one vision, one mission. And he doesn't see them as a bunch of different individuals. He sees them as one. And if he can look at a whole nation of people and one person sinned and he says, the whole nation has sinned, well, man, that really, that really tightens things up. That really makes you want to think about who I'm in relation with. That makes me want to think about who are the people I'm connected with. Because not only am I just in a relationship, not only are they just my buddy or my pal, but now I am one with them. He's not just talking about a husband and wife, although these details definitely carry down. But there is a structure for a relationship overall. If you work a job, you realize you're one with the people that you work with. You have the same vision and the same mindset because everyone that works there to have proper relation, they have to have the same vision mindset of the company, the corporation, the organization, whatever it is. That's why at this church we we enhance and and we, we try to show the value of the relationships that you have and being in unity. God does not want dissension and division in his church because division means two visions. No, he wants a body. He wants a church that is one mind, one heart and we all unify around that cause, and we advance the kingdom of God. So the relationships that we build in here ought to be helping enhance our purpose at the same time I'm helping enhance your purpose. This is a great plan that God has put in place. This is a great identity that God has created for us because it's not about me or you. It's about me and you in relation to each other, and now together we can do something great. Now together, we can cause each other to become great. So now this brings a different value to our relationship. You're not just the person I grew up down the street from. You're not the the high school sweetheart. You're not just the person I go to work with every day. I now have a tighter, stricter bond because we are helping each other become great for the kingdom of God. This helps me value the relationships that I keep. And how we operate in relation to each other should enhance God's kingdom overall. God's kingdom should look awesome to people because of our relationships. When they see how we treat each other, when they see how we help each other, when we see how we go out of our way for someone, go the extra mile, take the shirt off our back, and get in connection and relation to someone, that enhances God's kingdom overall not only your purpose and not only is greatness drawn out of you, but now God's kingdom has a picture to the world of that's what it should look like. Because I'll tell you right now, the world doesn't know what relationships are. The only way this world is going to see what a relationship ought to look like is if we show them. That's why I hate division and dissension in the church. That's why I hate the fact that uh, the the stat in the United States is the the divorce rate for the church is the same as the divorce rate in the world. 50% of marriages make it in the world. 50% of marriages in the church make it. We've got to know what these relationships should look like. We've got to be able to operate in these relationships properly, biblically, so that the world can see that this is how it's done. So we have to enhance, we got to learn what these relationships should look like. Relationships were designed to enhance your purpose, not hinder it. Look at that, just relationships were designed to enhance your purpose, not you. I married that person because she makes me look good. <laughs> I'm friends with him because of his status, and if I'm friends with him, then people will think I'm that status. Relationships were designed to help your purpose come out. So if they're not helping the purpose come out, then they're hindering the purpose from coming out. Look what happened in Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, in verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now stop right there. Watch this. The devil knows that a right relationship will damage his kingdom. The enemy knows this. Why do you think there's such an attack on the relationships we have today? Why do you think that all your life, he's been trying to get you around the wrong people? (laughs) We can, man, it doesn't matter where you grew up. It doesn't matter what school you went to. It doesn't matter, uh, you know, the girls you dated. None of that matters. For your entire life, the enemy's been trying to get you around the wrong people. He's been trying to get you around the people that are going to hinder your purpose rather than help fulfill it. He's been trying to get you around the people to try to get you to try drugs and drink alcohol and go to the the clubs, go to the bars, go do this and go do that. He's been trying all your life to get you surrounded by people that will keep you from bringing damage to his kingdom. The enemy knows this. That's why marriages look like the way they do today. That's why a lot of churches look like the way they do today. The devil knows if I'm going to work, I've got to work from the inside out. If I can tear up the relationships inside, the thing will fall apart on the outside. So marriages, they're not falling apart because of things that show up on the outside. Falling apart because we're arguing over who's doing the laundry and what's doing the dishes. You see what I mean? It's the inside stuff. It's the stuff at home that, you know, it, it's, it's the bickering and it's the grumbling and it's the complaining. And then it's the looking at something that looks better on the outside than what we have right now. And so these things are falling apart. Look at companies and organizations got chairman and board of directors that don't agree, and, and, and so the company crumbles because of things that are happening inside the boardroom. The enemy knows if I attack the relationship, if I can break the, the relationship, he's going to be separated, he's going to be outside all by himself, and now he's an easy target. Not only that, but then he tries to get you around a group of people that will help him tear down your purpose. Get around the people that will keep you from doing the right things. Get around the people that will, uh, they're not going to encourage you to do the right thing. They're not going to encourage you, you know what, you need to go home and pray with your wife. No, they're going to say, man, you should go find yourself someone else. He's trying to get that person around you. The enemy knows. So right here in verse 1, Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God? The greatest relationship you will ever have in your life is between you and your creator. There's no marriage relationship. There's no friend relationship. There's no relationship that will ever supersede the relationship you are to have with your father, with your king. And so right here, he's attacking Eve's relationship with God. you ever had a friend come to you? Or, you know, someone you thought was a friend, and they come to you and, did you hear about so-and-so? You know, that stuff happens in high school and junior high a lot, maybe even in elementary, and now it's creeping up. You know, we do it to adults now. We we do it to each other. And you see two friends that seem really close, and you're like, I want to be that close. I want to be one with them. So I'm going to come in between them and say, have they really? And that's what, that's what the devil did. He realized their relationship with the big man upstairs, <laughs> with God, the one that kicked me out, with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, if they stay in that relationship, I can't do anything. If they stay tight-knit, if they're communicating all the time, if he's coming down and walking in the cool of the day with them, I'm not going to be able to do anything in this earth. I'm not going to have any access. I'm not going to have any dominion. I'm not going to be able to tell them what I want them to do. So he comes in between the relationship. In essence, he goes to Eve and he goes, that God, your creator, your king, he's a liar. He lied to you. Did he really say Did he really say that, because look, if, if you eat of that tree, he just knows. He doesn't want you to eat of that tree. He knows if you eat it, you'll become just like him. You'll know good and evil just like he does. And he's afraid of you becoming just like him, which is the dumbest thing in the world because he created them in his image, in his likeness anyways. So the devil comes in, and he's trying to separate the relationship that hinders him. From doing anything. Let's keep going. Verse 2. And the woman said. To the serpent. We may eat the fruit of the trees. Of the garden. Verse 3. But of the fruit of the tree. Which is in the midst of the garden. God has said. You shall not eat it. Nor shall you touch it. Lest you die. Now I wish. I wish that verses 2 and 3 read different. Because this is where. She messed up. She entertained a conversation with the snake. I wish, verse 2 said, then Eve looked at the snake and said, get out of this garden. I'm here to guard and protect it. God has placed me here to have dominion. You don't belong here. That's what I wish it said. But, can't change that. But that's where she messed up. She entertained communication. And when you entertain communication, when you entertain the conversation, now it's getting into your mind. And now we're getting to see what led to the downfall. Verse 4. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. Okay, so if God said, you will surely die, and the serpent says, you will not surely die, somebody's lying, somebody's telling the truth. So Eve contemplates that God is a liar. She's actually thinking in her mind, okay, if I'm not going to die, then God must have been incorrect in telling me that I'm going to die. Let's keep going. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Watch this. What defines a relationship? If we need to enter into relationships so that we can help enhance someone else's purpose and they in turn help us enhance and fulfill our purpose, then we need to define what a relationship is. A relationship is defined by what you give your mind to. A relationship is defined by what you think on, and who you think in line with. Remember, God wants our relationships, and when he sees us in a relationship, he doesn't see us as many individuals, he sees us as one. So you enter a relationship when you enter into the mindset of someone else. So you can put it this way, Eve removed herself from thinking like God, removed herself from her relationship with her father, and entered into a relationship with the snake. So we try to think of, you know, relationships as, you know, intimacy and you know, being close physically and, uh, you know, having known someone a long time. But that's not the case because, look, there's people every weekend that are making the mistake of getting with the wrong person that night and they're in no relationship. There's no intimacy because intimacy requires information. We're intimate when you know my deepest thoughts, my deepest secrets, when you know those inside things. We have now entered a relationship. When I think like you and you think like me, and we have one vision, uh, I, I, I may never go to your house, but we go to the same church, so we're of one mind, one faith, one vision. We're in a relationship. And so Eve just entered a relationship with the enemy. The enemy attacked her in her mind, she contemplated, she thought about it, she sat around thinking, and then she saw it. Well, it looks good, it looks good for food. I think it would make me wise, I'd like to be wise, I'd like to know what God's thinking. Takes a bite of it. When your thoughts and your actions align themselves with someone else, you've now entered a relationship with that person. Because God doesn't see you as two different entities, he sees you as one. He wanted his nation, Israel, to be one people, serving one God with one heart. And they were his nation because they thought alike. They acted alike. See, the enemy attacks you in these relationships. The enemy attacks you by bringing people in your life to get you to think like them. And act like them. And the second you contemplate what they're thinking, the second you dwell on what they're thinking, and then you begin doing what they're doing, you've now entered a relationship with that person. And since the most important relationship you'll ever keep in your life is the one with your father, he's trying to get people that think differently than your father. He's trying to get people that think differently and that are doing something different than what God wants you to do and think. But then, when you get in the right relationships with the people that think like God, talk like God, act like God, then you've entered a relationship that's now the right kind of relationship. You've entered a relationship that ultimately goes back to God, and he sees you as one person. He sees you as one individual, not many. And he sees one individual that thinks like I do, so now we are one. God says, I can be one with that person because they think like me, and they act like me, and they talk like me. And then he sees Two or three people that think and act and talk like God does. And so now he says, those three people, they are one with me. Because they think and they act and they talk like me. The relationship isn't just based on the natural things that we've always based on. It's spiritual. It's more. It's deeper than that. It's how can I discover my purpose in the kingdom of God? How can I enhance How can I grow and develop? Well, I need someone to come alongside me that's going to think, act, and talk like God so I can be one with God, be one with them, and help accomplish what God has called me to do. These are the friends we ought to keep. Look what 1 Corinthians 15 verse 33 says. In the New Living Translation it says this, Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. You become who you hang around. I know what you're thinking, but I, you know Jesus, he hung out with sinners. Jesus, I mean, he didn't want to be around the religious people. He hung out with sinners. I mean, it was the sinners that hung out with Jesus. She's telling me, and and here's what I'm not saying this morning. I'm not saying you got to go home and start unclicking all your Facebook friends. I'm not saying you have to go through your life and start deciding, okay, who am I supposed to be friends with? Who am I not supposed to be friends with? That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not saying you have to go call up all your so-called friends and say, hey, we're not friends anymore. Pastor Mark said we can't be friends. That's not what I'm saying. I'm going to show you here in God's word. Why did Jesus hang out with sinners so much? Why did Jesus not hang out with the religious crowd? These are things we got to look at. Bad company corrupts good character. So the company we keep, the relationships we keep, whether you think so or not, whether you like it or not, they define who you are. I don't know about you, but I want to be in relationships that are going to define me the right way. I want to be in relationships that are going to help me become who God says I already am, not become who they are. I want to be in a relationship with someone that's going to see the best in me when I'm not producing the best on the outside. I want to see the, be in a relationship with someone that's going to pull greatness out of me and, and, and not just always speak to my present and my past. I want to be in a relationship that says, nope, God's got a great future for you, and even though you're not producing it today, there's greatness inside of you. You've got a purpose. You've got a plan to fulfill in the kingdom of God, and I'm going to come alongside you and help you discover that and help you fulfill that. That's what God wants to see. God wants to see us in relationship. He wants to see us connected and in relation with people that are going to help us achieve and fulfill what he has called us to do. So let's look at Jesus, John chapter 6. Satan's attacking every relationship today. We talked about marriages. I mean, he's, he's destroying relationships between fathers and their sons, mothers and their children, brothers and sisters. He's destroying relationships with our coworkers. You go to work and you have to wonder who's talking behind your back today. Relationships between employers and employees. I mean, he's after it all, man. Relationships with people you go to church with. But he doesn't attack the relationships with the guy with the guys that, you know, are going out to the bar every night and they keep calling you and bugging you about that. He doesn't attack that relationship. He tries to enhance that one. They'll get your phone number and you don't even give it to them. <laughs> right? Yeah, he'll... He'll put that girl in the break room, and you know that she's just got a gossip mouth, and she's going to talk about everybody, and he's going to get you around that person. You're going to bump into each other. You're going to go to the bathroom at the same time. You're going to be in the break room at the same time. You're going to have lunch break at the same time. Your kids are going to go to the same school. You're going to live right down the street. He will find a way to line up any relationship that will destroy your purpose. But today, what I want to hit on is... The only way you're going to enhance relationships this way is if you discover your relationship this way. Why did Adam and Eve fail, but Jesus didn't? Oh, he was the son of God. I mean, he's perfect. I mean, nobody was ever created like him. He couldn't fail. Read the Bible again. He was tempted on all accounts. Yet didn't sin. Now I don't know about you. If, if I don't sin on a regular basis, I would definitely sin after being stuck in a wilderness for forty days and forty nights with no food. I'd be sinning somewhere in that capacity. <laughs> Pushed to the limits, man. Still didn't give up. I mean, you take me to a high pinnacle and you show me all the kings of. Yes, yeah, that's, that's tempting. You're starving. And you can turn a rock into bread. Man, you don't know what I would. There's no chilies around here. There's, there's no Chick-fil-A. And, man, a rock sounds awesome. But you can even turn that into bread. Dude, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> you can make it like the Cheddar Bay Biscuits from Red Lobster. Forget about it. Show me the money, bro. Let's do it. Yet yeah, didn't give in. Didn't sin once. And had every opportunity. John chapter 6 verse 38. Look at this. For I have come down from heaven. Not to do my own will. But the will of him who sent me. Jesus was so tied in to his relationship with his father. That nothing in the earth moved him. He didn't enter any relationship that would keep him from doing that right there. Any relationship that keeps you from doing the will of the Father is not a relationship that's going to enhance and help you fulfill your purpose. How do you know the will of the Father? Communicate. We've done it before go through the Bible, there's at least eight to ten passages that show you that Jesus prayed, communicated, talked to his Father, getting up early, getting up before everybody else, going up on the mountain, finding a solitary place, told his disciples to go on, uh, go ahead and cross that ocean, go ahead and cross that sea, and and I'll I'll meet you on the other side. I'm going to go pray. He'd be up all night praying and then spend all day laying hands on the sick and doing the will of the Father. Adam and Eve, Adam, had communication with God, and as long as they stayed in that communication, they were fine. But the second they entertained communication with someone else, the second they got their mind off of what God wanted them to do, and got their mind on what someone else wanted to do, they were no longer one with God, they became one with the snake. When you get your mind off of what God is calling you to do, and you set your mind on what someone else is wanting wanting you to do, and it conflicts with what God's wanting you to do, you have now removed yourself from a relationship with God, not in the sense that you're no longer his son, no longer his child, because we know what the blood can do, but you have now begun to enter a relationship with someone else. Now you're thinking like they do. Now you're talking like they do. And now you're doing the things they do. Jesus never let that happen. If a proper relationship is defined as someone who helps enhance your purpose, Jesus got around people and defined his relationships, his relationships, with those that were going to help him do his purpose. So, let's take a look at the relationships Jesus kept. Obviously, we know that his closest relationships were with his 12 disciples. What were his 12 disciples there for? To help him fulfill the purpose that God gave him. He hung around sinners. How's a sinner going to help him? Because his purpose was to save those that were lost. But here's what Jesus didn't do. He never thought like them. Never talked like them. Never acted like them. He didn't get around sinners and listen to the things they were doing and start thinking, Man, that sounds pretty good you never find anywhere in the Bible where Jesus contemplated sinning. Jesus thought about sinning, but decided not to. Don't find it. When you think about sinning, you'll eventually sin. Sin starts in your mind. There's nothing you do in your actions that didn't start somewhere down the road in your mind. Oh, man, I just happened to wake up with her in bed today. What in the world? This ain't my wife. No, you were thinking about it. You were laying your eyes on it. You were going home with thoughts about it. Because that's where sin starts. Jesus never allowed his thoughts, his actions, his words to align with this. He let it align with this. Didn't get around... Uh, you know, someone that was drinking and say, hey, man, what's that? It looks pretty good. Let me have some of that. No, his purpose was to pull them out of it. His purpose was to save them from the destruction that that thing would bring. That's why he could help people that fornicated. That's why he could help people that were adulterers. He could help uh, people that were sick. Some people just get around sick people, and you'd think they were sick too. Man, my back's been bothering, man. Let me tell you about my leg, man. I'm right there with you, bro. I feel your pain. My leg. He never did that. Got around them and allowed this relationship to enhance this relationship and to bring them out of this. But he had to make a decision. I won't think like them. I won't talk like them. So you're saying I can hang around sinners? If you're an alcoholic, I wouldn't hang around an alcoholic. If you have trouble, uh, you know, uh, know, staying away from women, then I wouldn't hang around someone that's sleeping with someone different every night. That relationship's not going to help you. I get around someone that's going to encourage you in that. I'd I build a relationship. See, that's why you, you, you can't do it on your own. That's what I tell people. People try to do it on their own. Try to quit this and try to stop doing that and try to be a different person. Well, who's in your life who's helping you? Who are you calling? Who are you talking to? Who, who's meeting with you on a weekly basis? Who's encouraging? Who are you being accountable to? Well, nobody. Well, Surprise. You're still doing the thing. Get around someone that's going to build you up because i go ahead and let you know you weren't designed to do it by yourself. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. He has always had a helper. Helper means I can't do it by myself. If I was going to try to pick this thing up right here, I can't do it by myself. And I wouldn't get frustrated and say, man, why can't I do it? I'm no one's supposed to be doing it. I'd say, nope, I need a helper. Somebody give me assistance. We probably need three guys to do it because this thing ain't going anywhere. Well, I got the helper living down inside of me. I got the Holy Spirit. Sure do. And so did Jesus. And he still got 12 men behind him that helped him in his purpose. Because here's the other side of it. If no one's helping you enhance your purpose, you're not helping anybody enhance their purpose. So we have to define these relationships. Look at John chapter 10, verse 15. For I have come down from, uh, as the Father knows me, even so, I know the Father. Well, the Father knows me, but I don't really know a lot about him. And Father, what's that? A relationship. I want to take relationships today deeper than blood deeper than titles, deeper than longevity. Because I think we might realize that, you know what, I've been a friend with this person for a long time, but I probably shouldn't be. They're not helping me with my purpose. Now, again, that doesn't mean break off communication, but by relationship, I mean I've been talking like they do. When I get around them, I say the same things they say. The things that they're thinking, I've been thinking. I get around them, and, you know, they're just a depressed person, and I get around and, you know, I just start thinking depressional thoughts myself, thoughts of depression. I just start feeling lousy, and I don't even have anything to be depressed about. I just, come on, we know it's true. Bad company corrupts good character. You can have the greatest character in the world, and it's dissolving by the relationships that you're in. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. I lay my life down for the sheep. I have discovered my purpose because of the relationship that I keep. What I do is a result of who I'm with. So his company has developed his character. His company has enhanced his purpose, not brought it down. If you ever saw a time where Jesus hung out with the sinner and then began to do what they were doing, we'd have a problem. But he was able to get around them and help them. Because that's why I'm here. I lay my life down for the sheep. Look at verse 30. I and my Father are one. Why? Because I think like Him. I'm doing what He tells me to do. I talk like Him. He's in help, He's here helping uh, enhance my purpose. And guess what? Might sound silly, but He's helping advance God's purpose. Because God has a purpose to get the kingdom of heaven into the earth. And Jesus did that. Do you know God has a purpose? God's got a purpose. He's not waking up wondering what's going to happen today. He does nothing by accident, which means everything is purposeful and intentional. But he needs you and I to help carry that out. So when you develop your proper relationship with the Father, you're enhancing his purpose just as much as he's enhancing yours. thought we were just going to talk about Facebook. (laughs) I want to close with this. Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. In this passage, Jesus is about six months removed from going to the cross. Uh, He has developed a relationship with 12 men over the course of three years. Very tight-knit relationship. He's very close with these men. Three of them, particularly Peter, James, and John, he was even closer with. Very tight relationship. You would call them friends. In fact, uh, after Jesus ascended to heaven in the book of Acts, these men were being, have been identified as have spent time with Jesus. You know why? Because they did what he did. And they talked like him, and they acted like him, and they responded like him. And Acts chapter 4, verse 13 says, They saw these men, knew they were uneducated, and said, These men must have been with Jesus. You'll be known by who you hang out with. That's how, and that's how these relationships enhance each other or bring each other down. And in Matthew chapter 16, he is about six months, not only being uh, removed from the earth and going through his purpose and his assignment, but also being removed from the people that are closest to him. At this point, he has endured a lot of persecution. Doesn't have a whole lot of people on his side. Yeah, we had 5,000 people following him at one time. There's a point where he got to uh, that he even looked at his own disciples and said, you guys going to go too? You guys going too? Interesting note there, his, uh, Peter spoke up and said, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. They realized this relationship, where are we going to go? You're our buddy. Where are you going to go? We, we, we've been with you for three years. Might as well. No, that wasn't their reason. Their reason was you have the words of life. When you get in the proper relationship, it'll bring a resource to you. Relationship brings resource. When you get in the, in the proper relationship, you'll be able to call them up, and by the time you hang up the phone, you'll have, give, you'll have been given life. You get in the right relationship, you'll be able to sit down and talk with them, and you'll receive encouragement, not condemnation. You get in the right relationship and they will, you will leave that conversation and that communication and that time spent with each other feeling built up, not brought down. You get around people that are just tearing you down and just make you feel horrible and you know what, it's, it's, you know, it's all right, you know, it's going to be okay, and they don't help build you up and edify you and encourage you in anything. Not the right relationship. His disciples were able to look at him and say, you have the words of life. So Jesus has a conversation starting here in verse 13. He says, who do people say that I am? And they say, well, you know, some say you're Moses. Some say that you're Elijah. And some other prophet. Who do you say that I am? And Peter speaks up. Peter being one of the closest ones. Peter speaks up and he says, You are the Messiah, the Son of God. Well, you know, that hasn't been given to you by natural men. That's been given to you by my spirit. It's been given to you by the Spirit of God. He's the one who communicated that. He's the one that gave you that. You didn't get that on your own. And he says, Peter, I'm going to build my church. On this rock, I'll build the church. And I'll give to you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And anything you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Anything you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's the first time Jesus mentions his church. Mentions his church with authority and power. Not sit back and wait for the rapture. And so, Peter just had this great word. Well, then we get down to verse 21. And it says, From that time Jesus began to show to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. What is that? What's he telling them? My purpose. This is what's getting ready to happen to me. I'm getting ready to fulfill an assignment that helps me achieve my purpose. Now, the right relationships are to help you enhance your purpose. He ought to be having a cheer squad in the back going, Yeah, Jesus, you got this. You're going to save the world. I can't wait to see you up on that cross. And you're thinking, what kind of friend would do that? That's not a friend. Friend doesn't want to see them go. a Friend doesn't want to see them die. Friend doesn't want to see them persecuted and beaten. And so, look what Peter says. Verse twenty-two. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, "Far be it from you, Lord! This shall not happen to you." What a good friend, Peter! I knew I could count on you, Peter. Thank you, man. I, you know, I was feeling down and a little worn out, but man, I, I'm glad I, I'm glad you care. It's good to know you care. Jesus shook his hand and said, we're going to be together forever, buddy. I'm not going to the cross. We'll, we'll do it, me and you. We got, I got a different idea. My, God, my father was thinking one thing, but me and you, I like the way you think. Nope. Verse 23. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. How many of you could look at your best friend and say, get behind me, Satan? Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me. You're blocking me. You're hindering me from achieving my purpose. You are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Me and my father think this way. You're thinking something that doesn't go with this. And I've got a decision. I can go with this or I can stay with this. Thank God he wasn't emotionally moved by a friend a buddy, when everybody else has left him, when everyone else is deserted, and everyone else has gone their way, and he's just looking for someone to stay by his side. Thank God he didn't look at Peter and get emotional and wasn't driven by that, but he said, you know what? You are standing in the way of my purpose. You're not here helping me discover my purpose and fulfill my purpose. You're standing in the way, and you're trying to sideswipe me. You're mindful of things of men, but I am going to stay on the things of God. That's the relationship that comes first. That's the priority my father has in my life. And no friend, no person, no individual, no family member. There was a time where he was in the house preaching and the thing was full. And the disciples came and said, hey, your brothers and sisters, you know, they're they're out there standing outside. They want to see you. And he said, who is my mom? Who is my mother? Who is my brother? What kind of statement is that? And he says, those who do the will of my father, that's my brother. That's my mother. He's not denying his mom and his brothers. But he's showing those that are in the kingdom of God with me, that are helping me enhance and discover my purpose and fulfill my purpose, that's the priority of the relationships I have in my life. Because when I think this way, and you think this way, then you and I are one. And that's why he could send his disciples out to do what he did. Because he knows they have developed the relationship. He wasn't there just to teach them. He wasn't there just to instruct them. He wasn't there just to play a little show and tell. He was developing relationships. He slept with these guys, ate with these guys, traveled with these guys. Developing relationships So that they could one day enhance their purpose and they helped him enhance his purpose. Because his purpose wasn't going to the cross, that was his assignment. His purpose was to bring heaven to earth. And the only way that could be fulfilled is if I go to the cross, get my spirit inside flesh once again. But then I need 12 people to go out and do what I've been doing. And so from one man went 12 and now from 12 the whole church is doing what Jesus started by himself. Because of a relationship. A true friend. A true relationship. Look, I love my parents. But if if they ever came against my purpose, it's not a relationship I want to invest in. And we'll talk about investing in relationships because there are people that are giving themselves to people and they're giving nothing back. And you have to cut that off. That will waste you. That will drain you of your purpose and your identity and you won't know who you are and what you're supposed to do. I've seen people have to cut off their parents. It's not fun. And Cheryl, we have a father title, and a mother title, and we'll hang out for Christmas and Easter, but you're coming against what I am here in the earth to do, and so we're, we're not, we're not tight. You don't have any investment in my life, because you don't have anything to give me, and I'm not investing there, because I don't have, you're just draining me. We'll talk about when to know when it's time to cut someone off. That's the hard, that's everyone, you know, there's things when you get saved and you get born again, you're like, man, I'm getting rid of this, I'm stopping this. But then there's those things that are like, man, yeah, I kind of like that. And people are the hardest for us to cut off. People are the hardest to say, you know what, we're not spending time together anymore. We're not doing that thing together. You want to come to church with me? Let's spend some time. You want to come to Bible study with me? You want to pray together? Then fine, we'll spend some time. But if you're trying to get me to stay along with you and your mind isn't set on this, we don't have a relationship. It's vital to your purpose. I see people today that are drained out of purpose and destiny and it's directly tied to who they hang out with. It's vital. It's vital. Vital. Jesus, the last night that he was with his disciples, was out in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying. He's praying for his disciples, praying for the church and the believers. And his friends, his true friends, his disciples, kept falling asleep on him. But they were there in the garden with him. And another man shows up that was part of the disciples a man named Judas. Judas shows up with a bunch of guys that are there to take him away so that he can be killed. You know, that's the person you unfriend. It's the person you don't like that person anymore. We uncheck their box. I don't want to see them on my newsfeed anymore. They don't need to see my pictures anymore and uh, Judas approaches him, kisses him on the cheek because that's how he was going to be identified and you're thinking, man I'd have punched him in the mouth I'd have grabbed him by the shirt and said is it your friend? This is how you treat? I've been with you for three and a half years I've invested in you this is is what you're going to do to me? But Jesus looks at him. Jesus looks at Judas in his eyes, the betrayer, the the one that's leading the men that are going to kill him. Looks him in the eyes and says, do what you got to do, friend. How could he call him a friend? How could he call this man that is committing treason to him personally, betraying his life? How could he call him a friend? He called him a friend because Judas was leading him down the road to his purpose. See, there's those people in our lives. You're thinking, I'd never be friends with them. I'd never talk to them. I wouldn't develop a relationship with them. But could they be someone that is helping you discover and fulfill your purpose? and they're so broke down, beat down, then maybe you're in their life to help raise them up. How could he look at his best friend and say, get behind me, Satan? And then look at a man that was betraying him and say, friend. Because one man was staying in the way of his purpose and the other one was helping him fulfill his purpose. This makes you take a look at the relationships and the individuals that we're around. I'm not talking about treating your parents better and treating your kids better and being a better husband and wife. I'm talking about looking at an individual and discovering they have greatness inside of them. I have greatness inside of me. How are we going to help each other become great for the kingdom of God? That's what it's all about. It's not about Facebook status. It's not about uh, how many likes you have. It's not about, uh, you know, status. It's not about hanging out with someone because they're the cool kid in town. It's not about marrying someone because you've known them a long time. It's about you have purpose. I have purpose. Help me help you. I pray that we can go through this series with an open heart and open mind. Those of you that have been here long enough, you know that we don't go through any series casually. (laughs) It's never what you think it's going to be. And trust me, it's never what I think it's going to be. You understand that everything in this book goes back to God's kingdom. I don't care what we talk about. It it will go back to the kingdom of God. And this is serious. We have to look at this. I see people that are broke down because they're around broke down people. And they let their mind come in, their mind come into their mind. The other individual's mind become their mind. Rather than staying with God's mind, instead of showing them God's mind, they've been taking on their mind. When you learn how to be a friend, when you learn how to choose your friends, when you learn how to determine the right relationships you need to keep and the ones that need to be cut off, it's going to enhance your life. It will enhance your life. It will take you to greater heights. Your walk with God will grow deeper. I didn't put this up there, or I didn't say it yet, But a right relationship, a true relationship, a godly relationship will draw you closer to God, not themselves. A true friend will draw you closer to God, not closer to them. Those are the relationships worth investing in. Well, how can can someone that's broke down and hurting? Because you're fulfilling your purpose. They're ultimately helping you get closer to God because you're fulfilling the whole reason why he placed you here in the first place. So instead of letting them hinder you, instead of you becoming them, they become you. That's how we determine the relationships. Father, I thank you. I thank you this morning, Father, that you have given us the greatest relationship of all time. And that's to be one with our Father, one with our Creator, one with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, there's no relationship worth investing in more than that. Father, you want us to hold and and have relationships that are gonna cause us to bring greatness out of our lives, cause us to be great, cause us to help others be great. Father, there is nothing more than we want in our lives than to fulfill and discover our purpose. But Father, you have placed people in our lives to help us do that. And in turn, we can help them. So Father, I pray that you guide us You lead us through your word over these next few weeks to help us understand the relationships that we need to invest in, the relationships we need to keep, the relationships that uh, we need to continue to manage. But Father, also those that, you know what? It's draining us. It's wasting us. We're not able to give them anything else that they haven't heard. They're not listening. They're refusing. Father, I thank you that you give us the strength and the boldness to be able to cut them off because that's ultimately what's going to save their life. That's ultimately what's going to direct them and guide them. that's ultimately what's going to help them come into the kingdom. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that we have received life. We have received refreshing and restoration from your word today. I pray for every individual here this week that they know that you are with them. Everywhere they go, everything they do, their hand will prosper, whatever they put it to. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen.